0: Welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location. My name is Tom Hollingsworth and I'm a part of Gestalt IT. And for each episode, we bring to you luminaries in the IT industry to discuss a topic or a premise, if you will, relevant to the needs of today's enterprise IT professionals. I'd like to take a moment for us to introduce the guests to you so that you get a feel for who's going to be talking about today's premise, starting with Max.
1: Hello everyone, I'm Max Mortillaro. I'm a co-owner and analyst at uh, Tech Unplugged and you can find me on Twitter at Dark Avenger with two Ks.
2: Hi, I'm Gina Rosenthal. I'm the founder of Digital Sunshine Solutions and you can find me at Gminx, G-M-I-N-K-S on Twitter.
3: Hi, I'm David Chapa, um, longtime storage guy in the industry for uh, over 30 years, been watching the market for a long time. You can find me on Twitter at David Chapa, one P.
4: And I am Stephen Foskett, the uh, publisher of Gestalt IT and organizer of Tech Field Day. You can find me on the Twitters at S Foskett.
0: All right, well, thank you all for joining us today. Let's jump into today's premise. No doubt you've seen the news or possibly even heard our podcast that Pat Gelsinger is leaving VMware to head over to Intel to become their new CEO. And it's exciting news for us and for the tech industry in general. But what happens to the place that he's leaving? Now VMware is one of the tech industry giants. It is a company that has been very active in the development of modern technology, both on premises and in the cloud. But the ownership of VMware is complicated at best. And now that Pat's no longer at the helm, what does that mean for the forces that are eyeing VMware for themselves to unlock some value? So the premise for this episode is that with the departure of Pat Gelsinger, VMware is done for as we know it. Now, before we jump into the discussion point, I do wanna bring up a little bit of background information for those of you who are followers of the podcast, just so that we're all on the same page about what exactly has been going on for the last five years so that everyone understands this. So back in 2016, Dell purchased EMC for about $67 billion, and that's a lot of money. In that transaction, one of the things that they acquired as part of the EMC Federation, was VMware, they acquired an 81% ownership stake of the stock that VMware has, which essentially means that Dell owns it. Now there has been a proposal in the last year to take that 81% share that is owned by Dell and sell it to the current shareholders of Dell. Now you may be asking yourself, wait a minute, isn't Dell a private company? In fact, they are. The two primary shareholders of Dell are Michael Dell and Silver Lake Capital. So this deal would effectively take the 81% ownership stake that Dell owns and sell it to the two people who are the shareholders of Dell. Now, one of the things that has been bandied about quite a bit in the financial press is this idea that Dell is doing this to pay down the debt that they owe on the acquisition of EMC from five years ago. And one of the ways that they would do this is they would cause VMware to take on additional debt on their bottom line and pay a special dividend to the shareholders which will in effect raise the debt load that Dell currently has on the books to an investment grade opportunity, which would allow other people to essentially buy into the debt that Dell owns and help raise the profit margins at Dell. Now, whatever happens, Dell does have to wait until September of this year, 2021, in order to make any decisions about the future fate of VMware, because that will have been five years after the purchase, which clears them from the tax liabilities that would come due if they decided to do anything with VMware up until that point. Now, for reference, currently VMware as a company is valued at just shy of $64 billion. Dell is currently valued just shy of $39 billion. And if you want to do a little research, you'll find out that Dell actually made more profit on less gross income last year than Dell did. So here's where we're at. VMware is the most valuable part of the Dell EMC Federation that was created when Michael Dell bought EMC. But they can't unlock that value without doing something with the company. So the question is, five years after the fact, with their Biggest cheerleader now running Intel.
4: What's going to end up happening to VMware? Well, I guess I'll st- start this off since this was my idea. I think to talk about this, um, I think I'm going to take the contrary position and say VMware is going to be just fine. Um, I feel like this is a big company that has, uh, you know, taken its lumps. Um, different, uh, you know, it's it's diversified. Um, Frankly, um, I'm a big fan of Pat Gelsinger, but I'm not 100% sure that, uh, you know, his direction for the company was the most profitable or the most successful direction for the company. And so, frankly, I think that VMware is not going to die, even though I am super bullish on Pat Gelsinger moving to Intel. So Stephen, a
0: question for you there, because one of the things that has been kind of curious to me, we know that Michael Dell would be the primary shareholder, but Silver Lake Capital would be kind of a minority major partner, if you will. They would probably end up owning somewhere between 14 and 18% of the stock. And as we've seen, Silver Lake is not necessarily a company that likes to make long-term bets on things when they can get out from underneath a position. Most recently they had cashed in their convertible bond stake in the AMC theater chain to get out from under it as soon as it looked like they could turn a profit. So do you feel like Silver Lake could put pressure on Michael Dell to change the direction of the company or even to do something with VMware if they think that they could unlock enough value out of some financial decisions to exit that position and reinvest that capital somewhere
4: else? Well, I mean, sure, that's what Silver Lake does. That's like their business model is to push companies to unlock more capital. So, heck yeah, they could. But I think that at the end of the day, they may see that there's more value in just letting VMware ride. Um, what do y'all think? I mean, you know VMware, you know VMware's products. Uh, Gina, how about you?
2: I'll okay, go. Um, I will preface this with saying I work for VMware and I'm a stakeholder, co- I'm a shareholder still. Um, I don't think what happens to VMware is, I think it has already happened to VMware. And that's why you saw the departure of Pat. You saw the departure of the COO, Rajiv. You saw um, to go be the CEO of Nutanix. You saw the head cloud guy leave to go to Pure Storage. I think um, just from my um, time, one of the things that frustrated me to no end was um, by far VMware is the. Um, Primary um, virtualization platform used uh, in the enterprise, and they've made these great strides to get to the cloud. But there's a lot of extra stuff that they're adding on to their normal their their, their bread and butter, which is you know, ESXi, vSphere. That is their bread and butter, and um, I, I I don't think that they took that seriously. I think that everything new that comes, everybody jumps on. I think that. I think that um, looking at the stuff with Kubernetes is important, but I think if you don't tie it back to your bread and butter, you're going to need a virtual machine. That's how all the cloud platforms run virtualization. Um, I think that they have gotten away from their their roots. And I think that it's not a good thing. And I think that this has been driven away and now it might be too far gone. I don't blame anybody for leaving because heck, I left too. And that might or might not be one of the reasons.
0: So Gino, essentially what you're saying is maybe it's not the the corporate decisions that could spell trouble for VMware, but it's a market decision with the rise and adoption of things like cloud computing and containerization, which we have seen VMware jumping into with things like Tanzu and um, some of the other projects that they've been working on over the last couple of years, that maybe the market will dictate what ends up happening to VMware more than shareholders or anyone else.
2: I absolutely think that. And I think that it has already been Dellized. I think that's part of the reason that it couldn't break out of this, let's drive this where it should be the, and innovate as a virtualization platform and combine with Kubernetes and Go. I think there's an awful lot of influence from Dell EMC that has um, has pushed that down. And there's things that were done from a sales play plat, um, perspective versus a technology perspective, which is very much not how you, VMware used to be.
0: David, what about you? You've, you've been someone who's kind of keeping an eye on this from, from your position over the years. You know, what, what do you think? Is, is the changing of the guard here at VMware and some of the other things going on, what does that mean ultimately for the company?
3: Well, I, um, I was at EMC in 2016 when the acquisition um, took place. And one of, my, one of my gut feelings was $67 billion is a lot of money to spread across uh, to make this acquisition. And the most profitable entity that they had that they could, they could leverage was VMware. Now VMware stayed where it was at, stayed you know independent, except for that 81% ownership still. But I think if you just gotta follow the money on this one, um, look at what, I mean, I, had, I don't have the numbers at in hand right now, but the the, the profit that you're generating from VMware mostly software versus the profit. And you gave it the numbers, the number for, for Dell, you know, it's, it's a significant difference. I, we all know this. I've worked for software companies. I've worked for hardware companies and we know where that margin is. I, I think there's a good possibility that, that, that leverage may have to be taken into consideration going forward. Again, mentioning Silver Lake, I think that there's some, there could be some out there that they're looking for. So, would they be a hundred percent at risk? Um, maybe not, maybe some other, other portion, but I, you know, th- this is going to be an interesting one to watch. This is, this is a, this is a big ticket item. And, and, and clearly if anyone's, you know, looking at this, they can say, well, VM workers, go ahead, back and buy, buy Dell EMC with their, with their market cap. Right. I mean, they're big enough to do that, but the leverage, the leverage that they have from a, from a, uh, the margin perspective, I think, is the biggest thing. That if I'm Michael Dell, that's what I'm looking
0: at. And and to that point, that is a something that has been brought up quite frequently. The margins are good for VMware, but not only that, a lot of their revenue that they're booking right now is software as a service, recurring revenue, which is kind of like, um, oh, it's, it's a bright, shiny light to the moths that are investors in the community, because they like that repeatable, consistent incoming income, as opposed to a company that primarily sells infrastructure Hardware, which is tends to go in spurts and so they have to find creative ways to book that revenue over a period of time to make it look like it's not a boom or a bust cycle. And I think that that you like you mentioned that kind of speaks to the way that the operating profits that come from both companies look vastly different compared to their gross incomes. Because VMware is a leaner operation with more recurring revenue, as opposed to Dell, which has to invest a lot of money into research and development on hardware and other things like that. And then they have to hope that somebody wants to buy that, even though they're the market leader in several categories. It's also a very, very competitive space when you have customers coming to you going, well, I could buy your gear, or I could just go rent it from Amazon or Microsoft and not have to worry about it.
3: Right. That's exactly it. And I also, I also look at that, that model as being uh, a very attractive model to the market. Um, they, they can do some things I think now that Pat's gone that they wanted to do for a long time. I think there could be some, some very nice acquisition targets out there, some smaller companies that would really um, um, up level the value that you can get from uh, VMware solutions. I think, there's, I think there's a huge opportunity to do that. I think that opportunity becomes smaller if it gets uh, rolled back into, into Dell EMC. But again, that's gonna be a decision that, that Michael Dell and Silver Lake partners are gonna have to make because they're the ones that are, that are floating this check, right? And, and if it comes down to, uh, again, the numbers, the money, and, and kind of being more free and clear from this investment and leveraging the, the value of VMware, um that's what that's what they're probably going to do i personally think going long with vmware is a smart thing to do leave it alone
2: so All right. Oh, go I, ahead, Gina. I just want to i just want to get in here real quick um we act as if vmware is going to be like there is going to be an on-prem left will there be an on-prem and what does that look like and is vmware or the way that they're selling it is that going to work in an on-prem situation if you can rent For Microsoft and Amazon, you don't need VMware. So, you know, that's got to be something that Silver Lake is also looking at. Like, you've got these great margins now, but what happens as the world continues to shift to distributed infrastructure, does that mean that that VMware is the hypervisor of choice? Does it mean that anybody cares about hypervisors and hardware at all anymore? So I think we're still, that's got to be something they're kind of hedging their bets on as well.
0: All right, Max. Um, what's your perspective on all of this? Because you've, you're cl- uh, close to the pulse of the implementers out there, and, and through Tech Unplugged, you talked to quite a few of them. Um, you know, what's your sense of what's going to be happening with VMware and Dell and, and everything going forward?
1: Well, I think I would have to um, to pretty much here agree with what David was saying before, which is that if you look at the the way this is structured. VMware and Dell Dell EMC are really different companies, right? One is really focused on software innovation. They do not have this, uh, they're not carrying this weight of having to deal with uh, a supply chain, with R&D and so on. And therefore you already sense that there's an an inherent uh, uh, conflict of interest between the two companies, right? Dell EMC is manufacturing hardware, appliances, servers, whatever, you know, and they need to sell that because they need to, that, that is the core of their business. And you have on the other side, you have VMware which is making software solutions which have built over the years an open ecosystem to some extent which runs on any kind of infrastructure. So VMware is kind of in some way shooting in the leg of Dell EMC because they're closing deal with their competitors, with HPE, with, uh, uh, you know uh, the Hitachis and all the others of this world. And there, there's a real problem there. And, and, and the fact is that what can you do if you're, if you're in the position of, of Dell technologies? You're not going to shut down a profitable business, although we've worked way lesser margins than what VMware is doing. So that's, that's one of the aspects. That's why I think that playing it long and not incorporating it, you know, not you know, eating it up is probably the way to go. But what Gina said before is also really important is that what we look at VMware has been doing virtualization for 10, 20 years, 20 plus years. And it's no, I don't want to say it's legacy, but it's so mainstream that you don't even care about it. They're there to infrastructure what physical servers were 20 years ago. And, and the, the way the market is going forward, you have these, uh, first of all, the incredible weight of these public cloud providers and what Jaina was saying before as well is you know, uh, outposts and all of these things which are running on-prem, where's the value from VMware coming? And that's one of the aspects because it's running cloud infrastructure, but on-premises. And the other aspect is that you have all these cloud native initiative, which is going on, Kubernetes, Tanzu, whatever. Tanzu is one way to consume that, of course, but. What, where will where will this be five years from now? I mean, looking looking at what's happening in the enterprise world, you know, VMware is is no longer considered as something transformational. Whatever uh, VMware can say about it, DSDDC is standard. The hypervisor is of course standardised. vSAN may have some foothold. But maybe Tom, you can tell us something about NSX itself, because that's one of the big things they're selling. And is there really that such a big level of adoption for NSX? I don't know. I'm not seeing that happening in big enterprises as much as it is claimed, but I'm maybe we're working for the wrong companies.
0: Well, I think you bring up a good point that a lot of what VMware has tried to do over the last few years is to create attachment to services that run on top of what is effectively a commodity software construct, which is the hypervisor. As more and more people have tried to diversify away from using a, uh, a, high, a heavyweight hypervisor like ESX to something that is more container-based, say, like Kubernetes, the, the goal for VMware, at least at the initials at outset, was to create services on top of the hypervisor that companies needed, NSX being the, probably the biggest one from their acquisition of Nasira. But as the container juggernaut has keep rolling forward, VMware has then started to adopt their own flavor of containerization, which can run both on premises and in the cloud, which gives them the ability to move workloads back and forth, but also to continue to tie those um, overlay networks and other security services into the mix in order to ensure that people are using their flavor of or virtualization whatever that happens to be so i guess the question is with the departure of a lot of the leadership that you have at vmware and dell is that going to be the strategy going forward that we're going to continue to try to create attachment to other things that we sell in order to keep our customers around so that they don't depart for the cloud or is that a legacy method of thinking and the way forward from here is to just double down on what people want and hope that they want to buy it from us as opposed to somebody else.
3: Let's remember one thing here. Um, and Max, you said it that you don't, you don't want to call them a legacy, but let's face it. you know when you've been in the industry for 20, 30 years, you start to become a mainstay, right? you You expect to see it there. It's table stakes. But let's not forget for for those customers that are have that have this cloud strategy and have these applications, there is an effort of heavy lifting of refactoring those applications that they need to go through in order to to support the containerization strategy. With VMware, VMware might be legacy, but VMware can carry these customers through the next three, five, seven years and get maybe some of that same type of performance, maybe not the security, but some of the same type of performance uh, that you would get from a containerization strategy. And all the while, who knows what they'll be doing during that three to five, seven years, in building up the outside strategy of what's next. That's the thing that I think is important to look at VMware from a long from a long position.
2: I think too, like you have to think about container, what containers are and what VMs are, and if you're in the public cloud, they don't run containers on bare metal; they run them on VMs. That's how they're able to to get the scale of efficiencies that they get, and that's really what should be happening with the SXI, and I believe that's what's happening with Tanzu. They put those together. Here is a way to manage containers on top of VMs. We're gonna stick it all together for you. It's gonna work like clockwork. It's gonna be great. I think the other thing, even though um, virtualization is table stakes technology. One of the great things about VMware, which was very hard to get this across because nobody cared until they needed it, is that they have kept pace with every single chip and different device manufacturer. As it comes out, at the time it comes out, it's able to be virtualized. So I, I think that they are still the forerunner for good reason. And for those customers who are looking at um keeping things on-prem, trying to figure out this distributed infrastructure. How do I build these cloud-like applications that can go anywhere I want to put them, either in my in my data center, in um, the cloud, or in some type of device on the edge? So I, I think that virtualization is key to a cloud strategy and to building cloud-like applications. I think that um, VMware is by leaps and bound ahead of everybody else because they know how to do it. They have all the relationships. They, they know they're, you know, they're six years into the chip um, process. So they, they go through the Intels of the world, which is great why Pat's going to Intel. He's got such an arsenal of knowledge now to take back to Intel. Um, but what I do think is, you know, I was at Dell. Uh, I was at EMC actually when the Dell acquisition happened and I left because of it. Um, because I knew it was coming, and that happened, and now I believe that's what's happened at VMware. And um, there is a certain way of selling and doing things that um, that is not necessarily about the product, about the best thing for the history of the product, and and that is very evident in um, some of the things we've talked about already. I'm trying not to get in trouble.
1: Now, there's one thing you said, Jaina, though, it's that, and and David said as well. Vmware might be legacy, but it has a strong advantage, at least it is proven technology that works well that requires no particular you know costly activities of software analysis and so on, so yes there's refactoring happening for some applications, but those are might be the most critical applications. Where you need to have this agility that maybe running on vms doesn't gives but it is. A technology which has been here for 20 years and might very well be around still for another 10 and maybe another 20 years because it works. Just like just like we moved away from mainframe to other methods, you know, server-client. I mean, mainframes are still around. Uh, tape is still around, even if people claim that tape is dead, and so on and so on. So it will coexist. It might see it might kind of diminish. You know, the market share of virtualization may slowly diminish over time, but it will still be around. The question is. Uh, to, to what uh, I think Tom was saying, what uh, how are they going to reorient their strategy? I mean, at this point, it's hard to say. But looking at all of the execs which have been leaving VMware over uh, the let's say past months, it's at least giving a clear sign that something's going to change. But when people of this caliber are leaving, uh, it doesn't leave a very good impression.
2: I think what's interesting is we're talking about VMware, but we are talking about the hypervisor, right? And I think that is what You know, if VMware gets out of anything, that's what they've got to get out of their head of just selling vSAN or selling VMware Cloud Foundation, which is um, three products together plus uh, a cloud builder that has an interesting way of integrating (laughs) with everything. You know, it's an old SE tool that they turned into a product. So they've gotta get out of this idea of grabbing market share of an old type of computing when we're leaving that way of computing. We're not doing this three tier anymore. We are doing, literally people are gonna look and say, I have this application. I want it to run the best here and here and here, but it's one application going everywhere. How do I build that? You have to build it with containers and you can't And the best way to do containers is with vms to get the security and all the things that containers inherently can't do you don't i i firmly believe that they don't see that they see vcn as the thing that they need to sell instead of focusing on the hypervisor focusing on what they want to take to market with a container management platform and still trying to figure out how to be um the switzerland of the it world so that they're working with everybody. And I see a definite shift away from that. And as an ex-person, a Dell person and an ex-EMC person, that feels real familiar to those old companies. So I, I feel like, um, you know, it's interesting to see the people that left, just like you said, Max.
4: I think it's really easy to count people like VMware out. And I think it's really easy to count out the hypervisor and to count out, you know, Dell and infrastructure and stuff like that. Uh, not to be the old man yelling at clouds here, but Frankly, um, you know, there's a market for this stuff. There's going to be a market for this stuff. There's going to be a market here for a long, long time. And the thing to remember is that VMware dominates that market. Um, You know, I'm reminded of like the automotive market where Tesla is now worth like three times as much as the entire automotive industry. And yet, and yet Toyota and Ford and GM and Volkswagen, they're still selling a lot of cars. Well, that's what we're at here. I feel like you know VMware is still selling a lot of cars. Dell's still selling a lot of cars too. Um, you know, there's a lot of money going through these things. And sure, you know, you can look at it and say the future is containers or the future is something different. But you know what? Um, I think there's time for them to catch up. And I honestly feel like VMware and Dell have been doing what they need to do in order to try to catch up. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I don't think they're dead. And to be fair, we've seen that
0: with a lot of other companies in the past. IBM missed the transition away from mainframes and client servers, and yet they're still here and recently purchased Red Hat. Um, HPE uh, was HP, and then had to kind of bifurcate themselves and ended up kind of coming out of it the other side with some mistakes, but they're still around. And a lot of large tech companies that tend to rest on their laurels have that problem. They think that they've solved the situation. And when they take their eye off the ball, the situation changes out from underneath them. The good companies are the ones who can double down quickly and get back to where they need to be with a new situation. The companies that don't end up like Wang computers and other ones that we kind of remember fondly and maybe snicker about from time to time. So ultimately, here's the question. If you had to guess what was going to happen to VMware by the end of this year, well, let's just say not by the end of this year. Let's give it a little bit longer time frame. Let's say by the end of 2022, your options are it's eaten by Dell. It stays just like it is, or it's spun off into its own company. What are you going to bet on?
3: My bet is that it will be left alone because like I said, Michael Dell is a pretty smart guy and he is following the money. I think Silver Lake also is following the money. I think they see that long position um, much stronger than, than the short position that is eating them up. If you eat them up, I think you also tear away some of the opportunity for innovation that a software company can do that a hardware company cannot.
1: I would agree on that one with David, uh, for at least a very simple reason. Uh, And again, it goes to what Gina said before, we're all tying that again back to the hypervisor. But I mean, VMware hasn't been really able to to get out of that uh, thing anyways. If Dell eats up VMware, what happens of all of these partnerships? I mean, as if I was in the position of another vendor, I'm okay saying, yes, we partner with VMware. If I'm an HPE, if I'm a Lenovo, whatever, I would not be too comfortable to tell people yes, and we support the Dell EMC hypervisor. No, so I don't think it's a good idea. Gina,
2: I agree for every other reasons. Um, both David and Max said that I kind of reserve my answer for who they name as CEO. If somebody, if an executive from Dell comes over and is the CEO. I think that's the death knell for real.
4: Steven? I'm gonna take a crazy spin on the roulette wheel and say that they spin it off. And I think they're gonna do it for a very specific financial reason. Essentially, there's enough money lurking in VMware to basically unwind the whole Dell going private and Silver Lake and all that kind of stuff. I think that the best, the smartest thing that they could do now, where the market is today would be to basically float as much, enough of, of VMware to pay off all the, the, the hands that are out and um, and spin it off. And then then I think we get a Dell IPO.
0: That sounds pretty fair. And that's one thing that we in technology have to remember is that there are forces driving decisions that are not just based on which company has the fastest cloud or which company innovates the best in software or hardware, that there's real money involved. And in some cases there's real debts that are involved. And as much as we would like to sit here and hope against hope that our favorite company isn't going to get split up and spun off or purchased or you know, maybe just kind of eaten whole. It's not all that dissimilar from watching a professional sports league where our favorite player plays for our favorite team and then money becomes an issue and suddenly they don't play for our favorite team anymore. So who are we backing? Are we backing the team or are we backing the player? And that's the decision that you have to make. When we look at the future for VMware, they're in a comfortable position of essentially controlling their own fate right now. But if the market changes or if the management changes, or if the situation dictates that another decision needs to be made, we might find out that all of our best guesses about what could happen to the future of the company we know today as VMware could be wildly off. We hope they're not. And we wish for the best for everyone that works for all of the companies involved. But we also have to face the reality that there could be decisions that are made that will end up impacting a lot of folks, so. We'll just have to wait and see. Again, we won't know anything until September of this year, but there's a lot of days and months between now and then for us to to get a better sense of it. That should just about do it for this episode of the On-Premise IT Roundtable. I want to thank all of our guests for joining and adding their perspective and expertise to the discussion. If you'd like to find more episodes of this podcast, please head over to our website at gashaltit.com podcast, where you'll always find the latest episode. Also, please feel free to subscribe with your favorite podcast application of choice or in iTunes. And you should definitely leave us a rating and a review in those applications so that it helps other people find the great premises that we discuss here. They don't always have to agree with us, but we would like it if they would listen in. So for myself, Tom Hollingsworth, for our great guests, and for the rest of Gestalt IT, thank you very much for tuning in. and Please make sure to stay tuned because we will have more great episodes of the On-Premise IT Roundtable headed your way very soon.